and cliche, but <clears throat> the only one who deserves an applause is our Lord in Christ Jesus, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's give him a, an applause. <clears throat> I think I used up all 50 cents of my voice at Cutler. Wow. Who's excited to be in the house of God today? Glory to God. I, I am absolutely ecstatic and happy to be in this house. And those of you that are watching online, I just want to say God bless you. Hold on because we're going to go for a ride this morning. You guys ready for this? Amen. Um, <clears throat> but to get started, what kind of a morning would this be if I don't have a couple of giveaways, huh? Wouldn't that be crazy not to have a giveaway? Who can tell me? Okay, hold on. I see some guys that, okay, you're Bruce's bro. You can't answer this. You'll know this stuff. <laughs> or you YFC guys can't answer this. We got to let CWC go full steam ahead here. Who can tell me when Youth for Christ got started? Not Dinuba, Youth for Christ. What year? That's a hard one, huh? It's in the 40s. 1940. 1944. Who said 44? I heard him first. I heard one, two, three, five. Hey, that, you know, that's a privilege one. That's a flat bill. My boss accidentally, they accidentally sent us. So nobody has flat bills except for you, bro. <clears throat> okay. Who knows who Youth for Christ first employee was in 1944? First employee ever. Youth for Christ. You guys all know him. Okay, Jesus, uh, can you come into the office? I'm going to put you on payroll. No, 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 no. Billy Graham. Billy Graham was first employee for Youth for Christ back in 1944. Who can say that Youth for Christ has some history? You guys know that Billy Graham actually came to Dinuba. Yes, he did back in the day. Amen. Glory to God. Anyways, it is so good to be here. Pastor Angel, Pastor Damaris, wherever you're at, thank you for inviting me. I think they're in Southern California, yeah? Yes. Beautiful, sunny Southern California. He's been ministering over there. And we just hear that great things have been happening in Southern California. Amen. Glory to God. God is doing something somewhere, everywhere, all the time, whenever he wants. Yeah. COVID, no COVID, lack of COVID. COVID can go back where it came from, but <clears throat> amen. God moves and he moves at will whenever he wants. Amen. And uh, I cannot do what I do without. My wife, Aura Marina. Aura, raise your hand, honey. She is the blessing to my life. Always has been there. Put up with me when I made no money and put up, still puts up with me and still making no money. So thank you, honey. She does really well supporting me. No, praise the Lord. Um, it has been an honor to be doing ministry since 2001 with Youth for Christ, although that's not when I started. Uh, this is my 21st year full-time ministry. When I started in Dinuba, there was a whole three of us. 
with a whole whopping budget with salaries, youth centers, and everything. We had about $110,000. But that covered salaries, insurances, youth center rent, everything. And now we have 28 full-time employees. Uh, praise the Lord, has not come without much growing pains. But, you know, um, God has been really, really, really good to us. And I see how good God has been with a CWC family. Nice to see a packed house. Amen. <clears throat> so without any further delay, can we have that first verse out of Matthew up there, brother? And just a little lead in to getting going with today's um, um, message here. I was actually... Having my own personal devotion. I don't go off of phone devotions. I'm horrible at that. Don't tell me what to do. I'll tell the phone, right? Uh, so I don't like phone devotionals. Uh, I don't like to go on a methodical, the Bible kind of uh, devotionals in the back. Nah. So I kind of get up in the mornings and I say, Holy Spirit, what do you want done today? What do you want me to read today? And we'll go there. And one day I was, I like to get up earlier, so I'm up by 5 a.m. because that's when I can find some quietness. Birds maybe be chirping if it's not too cold outside or whatever. But, and then I just kind of say, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go? And one day I, I landed here and I started reading this little scenario in the Bible in Matthew 27, verse 11, going forward. And this is the story of Barabbas and Jesus and that little trial mode with the governor, uh, Pilate. So let's read some of this. Now, Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. And um, are you the king of the Jews? He asked. The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. And that's interesting in itself. You have said it. And then he shut up and didn't really say much going forward. He stayed quiet. And you'll see this. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusation against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges that are that are that they're bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges. Stayed quiet. Much to the governor's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year. Uh, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas, or Barabbas. Okay? I like Barabbas. Doesn't that sound more important? You know, can we applaud the drummer? I was sitting there, and that, that kick was just kicking me, bro. It was good stuff. So, I love the drummer. So this year, that notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas, as the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, and he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas, Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called the Messiah. He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. One of my questions when I get to heaven is, God, what kind of a nightmare did you give that woman? 
You think about that. Leave them alone. I had a nightmare about them. Don't mess with them. It's like, wow, I wonder what God did in that dream. Okay. So meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded, what crime has this guy committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that that wasn't getting anywhere and that the riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water, washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood and the responsibility is yours. And all the people yell back, we will take responsibility for his death. Listen to this. We and even our children. Ooh, dad, why are you speaking for me, man? You know, dang. That was deep. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip, turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Now, I read this out of the NLT, and and I really love this version when it comes to this. Doesn't it give a real explicit picture of what's going on here? As I sat there on my on my recliner and I was reading this, kind of sipping the coffee, I actually started crying. I said, "Man, Lord, uh, Barabbas, huh? Over Jesus." Now, let me give you a little history about Barabbas. Although there isn't a whole lot written about him, okay? You won't find it anywhere in the Bible. This is probably the only scene he's in. But we can talk a little bit about his name, and we're able to derive some conclusions around his name. Barabbas means Baraba, Bar meaning son, Abba meaning father, son of a father. So in this scene where the governor has a son of a father, a notorious killer, And a son of a father that is completely innocent. Okay? This is huge. Baraba, coming from an Arabic, is pulled from, it's an Arabic name. Which, looking at it, if you do a little studying, some theologians say that he could have been a a son of a Jewish leader. Which adds even more depth to this whole court scene and Al being Al starts thinking and asking the Holy Spirit and I didn't really get much but Al being Al and kind of looking at the scenario here's Baraba son of a father and Jesus son of a father and I just started thinking could it have been possible that one of the Jewish leaders, perhaps even in the crowd, could have been the dad. I don't know. It doesn't say, don't take this as Bible, because it's not. I'm just wondering, being out. I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. But I started thinking about this whole scenario 
about Barabbas being released, the son of a father, even knowing Jewish customs and knowing of, of this whole situation. I want you to think about even days before murder rap, starting riots, and this whole thing that he was carrying, probably in a cell, and all of a sudden he finds himself in front of all these people with Jesus there, the son of a father, who isn't saying anything. He's not saying a word. And all of a sudden the crowd's, the crowd's saying, give us Barabbas. Think about that. Having a murder rap, starting the riots, coming against Romans, and now he finds himself being set free. Days later, hours later, lifer, probably going to be crucified. He hated the Romans and the Romans did not like him. And I'm going, oh my word, what is really happening here, Jesus? What are you telling me? Now, I want you to put up that next slide, bro. And I want to, and I want to read some. Barabbas was not set free because they wanted to crucify Jesus, but Jesus had to be crucified to set Barabbas free. Can someone say amen to that? Jesus was never in a defensive posture. He was in an offensive posture. These people that were thinking they were going to crucify him, he really had nothing to say. You're not crucifying me. I laid my life down, baby. I laid my life down for humanity. I started going there, sitting there, thinking about the look that perhaps Barabbas had received in this moment. It wasn't like Jesus had already been hit a bit or beat. They had already started the process. And he's sitting there looking at Barabbas. I went back and looked at the at that scene on Passion of the Christ, I go, I just want to look at it. And the one thing that I derived even from looking at that, because Mel Gibson did grab some theologians and he did use some wisdom to make these scenes, yeah? He looked, Jesus just looked at him and when he looked at him, I had never caught this, he looked at him as he was being freed. Jesus loved Barabbas. And I don't know about you, but every time I read this story, Barabbas just ticked me off. It's not right to release Barabbas. It should be Jesus that should be set free. And the Holy Spirit gripped me says, no, 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 Al. I love Barabbas. I love Barabbas. And it just started moving me in such a way to the point where I said, I'm Barabbas. You're Barabbas. The only reason you're free is because somebody had to stand in the gap for you. Had to stand in the gap for me and our dysfunction. Our lack of knowing and wanting the things of God. Can someone say amen to that? Or are you guys born absolutely holy? I was. Woo. When Jesus found my family, we were in a place of dysfunction. There was brujeria going on, all kinds of wild things. 
I remember one time I, w- I was at River Park and, w- and my wife and I, we walked into this tea where they make teas. And we walk in and it stopped me right in my tracks. And Tiffany and Otto said, what's wrong, Dad? I go, I can't go in there. Why? Because they're brewing one of the teas that I used to brew for my mom back in the day before we were Christian. This really weird dude used to make me make teas. They used to get curanderos, all that wild stuff, that Mexican magic stuff. And I go, I ain't going in that place. You're crazy. Uh-uh. They're brewing those weird teas from back in the day. Stayed out of there, went to Starbucks and grabbed a real drink. <laughs> they didn't have... Anthony wasn't at River Park, so I didn't go to Anthony's joint. I remember when God found my family. I'll never forget. Do you remember when God found you? For the God, for the Word of God says, for we were yet, when God found us, when we were what? Were you in a good place? You were a sinner. You were a complete sinner. You weren't, you didn't come find Jesus already all holied out, right? He had to forgive you. And he looked over it just like he looked at Barabbas. It doesn't tell us if Barabbas was grateful. It doesn't tell us if Barabbas was, oh, thank you, Jesus, for all you've done and all this for me that I'm set free and you had to go to the cross. Thank you, bro. None of that happened. We don't know. We don't know. As I was thinking about all this and I was getting into this, I went to a scenario in my life when I was still with General Electric. I worked for GE for years. And when GE shut down in Tulare, I got moved to a place in southern, in nor- northern California. I was moving all over the place. This was in northern California, and I was the desktop installation supervisor for their computers for about a year, about a year and a half, honey? About a year and a half. And I was commuting to San Jose, and I don't know if you guys know about Cisco Systems, but it starts like at Marriott's Great American. It almost ends in Fremont. All on Tasman. They have hundreds of, I don't know, I might be exaggerating. Could be hundreds now. But they had hundreds of buildings, three stories high, all across Tasman. And I was, I was in building five and I had to hire some people and I hired two young men. They were straight out of college, but they were smart. Bay Area geeky kids that knew computers so good. And they were ready to work. And I'd say, hey, kid, man, can you go to this building? And boom, they had skateboards. They'd go from one building to another, man. Eesh, building 10, building 3, building 12, building 18. Yeah, even, even, they up and down, installing computers left and right. And one day a manager called me and he said, hey, Al, one of your kids smells like weed. What? One of your kids smells like weed. And I, because at Cisco Systems, a lot of young guys, young managers that came up, right, as they were working there. So I called that one kid in. I said, bro, look, here's your pink slip. And I could ask you to press really hard because there's three copies. Uh, I'm ready to fire you. And I laid into that kid. Oh. Straight up Nuevo Leon style. 
straight up from Ramones, Nuevo León, bro. I went. I went up and down that kid's ladder, man. And at the end, I said, you promise me, kid, you're never going to do this again. He said, Al, I promise you. And as I'm talking to him, I hear the Holy Spirit say this. Tell him about me. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, Al, tell him about me. And then I use this excuse to God. I say, God, I'm at work. I'm at Cisco. They don't let you talk about God here. You know, God's like, oh, okay, Al, whatever. Holy Spirit again, tell him about me. And I didn't. I didn't tell that kid a word. Except yell at him Nuevo Leon style. The kid leaves. That night, he was on a motorcycle with his girlfriend. And he was on 41st Avenue in Santa Cruz. And he wraps the pole and kills himself and kills his girlfriend. And I said nothing. I was feeling over here with Barabbas. I didn't know what to do with that, honestly. It was so heavy, so disturbing to me that I seriously, guys, because I would commute from Cisco to my house, not every day, but I would commute back and forth that on many of those commutes, I don't even know how I got home. I'd cry so much. On one of those trips on the back and forth, it was in 2001 in February. My dad says, hey, son, I want to go to the Bay Area with you today. I said, what for, Pops? I just want to go. And by the way, I'll have your mom make some burritos, you know, chorizo con papitas, un termo de café. I'll go, all right. For those of you who know Spanish, my mom can make some burritos of papas and chorizo. Dang, they are good. So I go, oh, perfect, Pops. I could tell you that day so clear. Picked up my dad about 3.30 in the morning. We hit Los Baños. There's this little restaurant that has tables outside. We stopped there, had some burritos. Went, got into San Jose, dropped off my dad at Fry's Electronics, because it's like a Disneyland in there. He has coffee shops. You can buy anything at Fry's Electronics. Dropped him off. I went and did all my meetings. Five o'clock, go and pick up my dad. Came back home. And he goes, hey, son, going to church tonight? I go, dad, I drove all day, had meetings all day. It was a Wednesday night. He goes, hey, What? Do anything. I was with you. All you did was sit. How can you be tired? Oh, I was in the meetings, Pops. I did all kinds of stuff. What do you mean? I drove. You're the one that slept all the way. And we're arguing, laughing and stuff. Are you going to be at church tonight? One of those dad, you know what I mean? And my dad used to be a sheriff. So it was kind of like, okay, you're going to be at church is basically what he said. So I go, yeah, I'll be there. And that night, my wife was already at my mom's house. My dad ended up cooking you dinner that night, huh? My dad cooks my wife. And so we get to church, had church. The next day, my dad passes away. 
Now, I want you to see this whole situation that's brewing here. I'm at my dad's funeral. I'm behind a pulpit like this. His coffin's right there. I went through what I went through with the kid. Didn't share Christ. Now I'm preaching behind a pulpit at a funeral. My dad's funeral. And I'm sitting there and I'm speaking. And I don't know about you guys, but God knows how to multitask. You know how God multitasks? Well, you, you could be up here and he's talking to you and you're playing and you're talking to God. Or how he, I, I don't know. I was multitasking big time. And he asked me at my desk, so how do you feel behind the pulpit? I said, that is a crazy question. I'm talking, I'm speaking the funeral, I'm talking to God, and we're having this conversation. I don't know what I said at the funeral, okay? And all of a sudden, God's just downloading. I said, God, this is serious. He goes, I'm going to demand that from you for the rest of your life. I said, what? I get laid off. Not even two weeks later, I'm in full-time ministry. So here's this kid that's broken. I was literally over here. I'm ticked off at myself about not sharing the gospel with that kid that wrapped the pole with his girlfriend. Dad just died, and I'm getting launched into ministry? And he's telling me, don't ever forget this. And all that was being done like this. Literally. I kid you not. All this conversation that was going on was like that scene right there. Me over there guilty for all kinds of stuff. That was just part. Of the stuff that I was carrying. And all of a sudden I find myself. With a God looking at me with the eyes of love. Trusting me with this thing called ministry. And here's the ironic part. When I was with with GE. I was like a supervisor. I was making 100 G's. Just shy of it. And all of a sudden, Bruce offers me this position, $12,000 a year. What am I supposed to do with that, God? I can't have to tell my wife she can never paint her hair again, ever. (laughs) Forget putting nails on, Marina. We have to sell our car. We have to sell our house. We have to sell our clothes. We have to sell everything. How do we live? Oh, OMG was happening now, big time. But I can probably look at each and every one of you in your eyes here. And you can probably remember when that God was calling on you. And if you haven't received Jesus Christ and you're here today, I promise he's looking at you right now with the eyes of love. Saying, I love you no matter what and where you've been. I got you. Because I've already gone through it for you. I've already paid the price for you. I'm sitting there in my recliner just absolutely weeping, bro. And saying, God, that was me when you found me. That was me when you found me. That was me when you found me. Can someone in here say amen to that? 
I was a broken person. And now I'm getting trusted with this thing called ministry. God has used my business part of me, if you want to call it that. I got some pretend degree called business management. I didn't know what I was going to use that for ever. And now, here I am. And now, I'll never forget when these these things called RFPs, requests for proposals, and I knew what they were and all this stuff, when they were asking for grants, and I go, oh, I love all this stuff. And I said, why don't we apply for these mentoring grants that are out there? And we applied for them, and we landed. So we went from four time full-time employees to 28 full-time employees, from a $120,000 budget to a $1.6 million budget. How does that happen? How does that happen in Dinuba? How does that happen in our region? And I'm going, how does a faith-based organization land positions? I don't know. Just want to do it, right? Anthony's worked on a, on a campus. They still put fruit next to his picture at Wilson. They loved him over there so much. Mark's hanging out with me. We got Dana. Dana, raise your hand. She started two weeks ago. We got Mr. Menchak on the back over at Roosevelt. Yes. Awesome. And here we are just talking to a bunch of little men and young ladies about Jesus on campus. And tell me, when, some, when the Holy Spirit, you think when the Holy Spirit tells me, Hey Al, tell him about me. You don't think I jump on those opportunities now? Because I remember when I didn't speak. What is God calling you to do? What are the voices deep inside of you? What's God asking you to do? How is God asking you to serve? Oh man, I know I'm talking to somebody in here today. Pastor Mark telling me, I don't know, I just got to go to Dinuba. I don't know why I'm in Dinuba. But you just sold everything and came to Dinuba. And here he is. And now he's on campus at the high school. I don't know how you remember all those kids' names. He does. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Pete. Hey, Ben. I'm going, God, how does this guy do this? He's old. (laughs) We're old together. Just kidding. Love you, Pastor Mark. You know I do, bro. Am I making sense here today? Am I making sense here today? When I was 25 years old, here's another one. I found myself on a missions trip in Mexico. We bought some cars. Me and my friends. And I ended up in Piedras Negras, Coahuila. I don't know how I got there. And we ended up doing some little revival thing in there. And then we ended up going to Guadalajara to some youth camp or convention that was going on. Then we went to this place called Tepic, Nayarit. Don't know how I got there. I couldn't tell you how to get there. So we ended up in Tepic, Nayarit. And there were some Christian people there. They owned a mortuary. The my guy was with actually laid in a coffin. These are things I remember. I'm not even kidding. 
And we're going from church to church, from place to place, to pastor to pastor, Zabe. And then ended up in Mazatlan. We ministered in Mazatlan, sold our cars and came back. Got on a plane and came home. But we were just going all over Mexico doing all kinds of crazy things. When I was in Piedras Negras, Coahuila, like I said, we were serving in a park and we were setting up chairs. We were just serving the church in Mexico. There was an elderly lady that was there when we got there, and she was just sweeping the dirt, making sure that the dirt was clean. I'm going, what the heck? Why are you sweeping the dirt, lady? You know, like, it's dirty. It's already dirty. You can't make it. It's dirt. No, but I can la tierra limpia. So she was sweeping. And it happened for two or three days, and she would just sweep. But she was the first one there and the last one to go, Abe. La viejita, everybody left. Cleaning. Well, señora, where do you live? She goes, oh, right over there. I go, can I give you a ride home, ma'am? I go, ma'am, maybe I can buy her some tacos or something, right? She's serving the church. So we're going, and I go, hey, le puedo comprar? Can I buy you some food? She goes, no, 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 no. You're coming to my house to eat. Right? Okay, so we go. And all of a sudden, I find myself going, I go, you sit right over there. I'm going up a mountain. Literally, I'm going to, my, my Honda's going boom, boom, boom. I'm all four buying with a Honda. And we get to her house, and her house had like the boards were all separated. You could see in. I go, give you that. She goes, yeah, I live right here. Come on in. Sit down. I said, on your clean dirt? She had dirt in her house. I go, okay. So I sat down. She grabs this little pot, puts it on the fire. In her house. Little fire. She puts the beans, and she grabs one hard tortilla, puts it in the coals, grabs a little bit of beans, and she goes, here's dinner. I go, what are you going to eat? She goes, you're eating my dinner. I go, I'm eating your only taco? So, uh, like you can tell, I'm not very skinny, and, you know, I'm eating her only taco. And, and she goes, you're going to be used greatly, Al. What I'm not telling you, I was the loneliest man on earth when I was 25. I thought God had overlooked me with relationships. I thought, you know when somebody's looking at you, but they're looking over you, Abe? Isn't that the worst thing ever? Or they're, looking at, they're talking to you like this, Mark? And they're... I do But they're looking over you. You know what I mean, Senora? They're looking. They're not looking. At, I felt God was doing that to me. I don't know how to explain it. And I was sitting on a bus stop in the in Mexico, and I was just weeping, so lonely. And I'm on ministry, on a missions trip, lonely, broken man. And I find myself in this house. I'm telling you, it was like this. There was a little fire in the middle, a cot cardboard with some stuff on it, and a little pot, and a little broken chair. And she lived there. She was the first one at service and the last one to go, Abe. And walked home and walked to church. I ate her last taco. 
I'm telling you, it was the best dinner I've ever had. But most of all, she said, Al. She called me Betio, like my suegra. Betio. Dios te va a usar con los jóvenes. I go, can you find me a girlfriend? <laughs> I told her that. Sí, en el tiempo de Dios. Is what she said. I got back from that missions trip, young ones. Still not trusting God. I bought a trip to go to Hawaii. And I said, God, I'm going to go to Hawaii and I don't want you to go with me. I said that. Stay home, God. I had a friend that lived there. His name was Chi Kuok Kuok. That was his name. <laughs> Chi Kuok Kuok. Fun name to say. I said, Chi, I'll be landing around this time. to pick me up, bro, at the airport. So I landed in Hawaii, and I'm walking in the breezeway. Has anybody been to Oahu? You know that breezeway where you get out? You guys all, I wish you could get there. <laughs> I love Hawaii. It's like my favorite spot on earth. And I'm walk, there's a breezeway, and you can feel the Hawaiian winds, and I was feeling the Hawaiian winds. And I'm walking, and the Holy Spirit met me right there. He said, Al, remember you asked me not to come? Well, I'm here. I said, I told you, don't mess with me. I want to go to the clubs. I want to do all this stuff. I'm 25. No woman in my life. I was griping, lonely. I mean, it sounds funny, but I was a hurting human. I remember standing on the beach there in Waikiki, looking out over the ocean. Just lonely. So broken. And I'm looking out over that vast ocean. I said, seriously, you followed me here. He goes, no, I was here before you. He said that. And I fell down to my knees right there in Hawaii. And I turned all that over. I was still over here. But the man was just looking at me. He would talk, but it was this look. I don't know if you guys ever got the look from God, but I, I've got the look. And I fell to my knees on the beach of Hawaii, and I surrendered everything, everything right there on that beach. From that point forward, I remember that this joy just invaded me. And when I got back home is when I met my wife. He had a perfect plan. I'm sure that he had a perfect plan for the Son of the Father over here. We don't know Barabbas' story. We don't know what happened. But I'm telling you, I know that that look had impact on that man's life. I know for a fact. Years later, I go back to Hawaii, but this time I went with my wife and my daughter. And I took them to the spot 
Ha, honey. He's my and I said, right here is where God, God freed me from the junk. And this is where you were given to me. Right here. I went back to my church and I preached. And while I was preaching, Aura walks in. And I said, that's the hottest woman I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I really said that. And then all of a sudden, uh, his name was Pastor Paul at the time. I said, Pastor Paul, I think I lusted while I was preaching. He said, what? He had this big old voice, Pastor Paul, como mijo? I said, I'm serious. That girl walked in. I thought she was the most beautiful thing ever. Have you thought about meeting her? Uh, no. I was all scared. I ended up meeting her. Actually, Pastor Paul, and you know, we got introduced. And we're married now. <laughs> Love you, babe. My lifesaver. I don't know what you guys are going through. I know this all sounds funny, but I'm telling you, there was some brokenness going on in me. I love this generation. Love you guys. Because there's so much garbage that hits. Where the enemy says that you're lonely, you're broken, or. Uh, you need to get married right now, and everybody, you're, you're, that's all junk, man. God has somebody so beautiful, and then there's a promise. If you don't get married, dude, let me use you. It's even better. You can go to Hawaii anytime you want. You don't have to drag around a husband or a wife. You know, there's some cool promises. But I'm telling you, man, if you're going through some loneliness, if you're going through some brokenness, God is here for you. Because I can just imagine the loneliness and the brokenness that was happening in Barabbas. Amen? Now I'm going to show a video here. And it's going to be kind of a recap of what I've been talking about. You may have seen it in the past. It's actually a pretty popular video. If you've seen it, would you just give it a fresh view? Give it a fresh view. There's a generation right here, right now, that is going to be used in such a way and he's going to take care of loneliness. He's going to take care of brokenness. He's going to take care of stuff that you never imagined could. Ways that you can be used for the honor and glory of God. If he can use this misfit, he can use anybody. Like T.D. Jake says, man, you don't want to get to heaven and find out a donkey did more than you. I love T.D. And I was kind of like that. I was Barabbas. And one last caveat. And this might hurt a little bit. Is that okay? You can't fix yourself. Don't pretend. I don't deserve the marriage I had. I didn't deserve the healings that I got. I don't deserve the relationships that I have today. But through the grace of God, who died on the cross for me, made me worthy of it. Don't pretend that, like George Lopez says, you got this. No, you don't. I hate that line. Because you don't. That's the only beef I have with psychology. You psychology neighbors is... Did I see neighbors? 
psychology majors. Thank you, Abraham. What did I say? Psychology neighbors. Oh, start talking in tongues right now. For you psychology majors, oh, it's all, you can do it. You got the power inside of you. No, you don't. And my daughter has a master's in that. And she knows you can't. Trained her well. You don't got this. You need to turn over all your junk. Jesus, today. No mañana. Today. Root, let's show that video. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This has this, this gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas. People say, give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform. Welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is. But all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience with Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now. Or you have set me free. No. I don't see any of that in Barabbas. And God knew that. Jesus stood there. Silent for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. When I look at the story, I realize who Barabbas really is. That's me. That's you. That's us. And I felt I was reading this the other day, and I felt God speak to me. 
I love Barabbas. I love him. But God, he's a bad man. I love him. And I wanted him to go free. But didn't you know that he probably would have never acknowledged the free gift? Yeah, but I love Barabbas. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I better work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it! No, you won't! You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin. You will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas? And they start to take my chains off. And I say, no, no. I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me. Say, no, son. Let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh, God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others, and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive? Let me have your sins, son. Okay. And I give him my sin. 
Let's stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go, son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If His blood is sufficient for your salvation, His blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. there's anybody out there that had a thought like me says but god i've let you down see what i don't understand that i can't let down that which i'm not holding up you can't let god down you're not holding him up so how do you let down something that you're not holding up you don't have that power <laughs> You don't have the power to let God down. God loves you. He died for you. He died for you while you were still a sinner. There is nothing that you've done that is so bad that has surprised Him. There is nothing so great, so wide that's surprised Him. Jesus loves you right now right here and if there is somebody here today that says Pastor Al would you pray for me I'd love to I'm going to ask everybody to stand right now I was such a lonely man I felt like God was so far away from me. God, you forgot about me. I've been serving you year after year after year since 1979. And I'm a lonely, broken human on a beach in Hawaii. You saw my brokenness on a city bench in Piedras Negras, Coahuila. And I'd be driving that car all through Mexico, broken, lonely, not knowing what he had for me. You've got to trust that you are in the palm of his hand. And it is impossible to let him down because you're not holding him up. If there's somebody that needs prayer here today, I beg you, please don't go home the same way you got here today. I remember preaching a sermon encouraging people, just lonely. God goes, it's okay, I got you. If that be you today, 
I'm going to ask you to come to the altar right now. In the name of Jesus, come right now. Come right now. Don't let this day go. Don't let this day go. Don't let this day go. Father, I just pray that you just commence the work right now. That you would move on the hearts of your people here today. God loves you, son. some of CWC's prayer words up here helping out a little bit. God bless you, honey. God bless you. God bless you, girls. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 